I want to invite you to open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2, if you have one of our Bibles, it's on page 909. We're going to look at those first 20 verses this morning. This morning, You can tell I'm a routine guy. Hey? Um, we're gonna, this evening, thankful that we get to be here. Uh, we've had some, some furnace issues this week. Grateful that the Lord has provided for us to be able to have a, a warm place or warm enough, right, uh, compared to what it is outside I mean, seriously, to think about all the things that we have have discovered and talked about through Genesis and the curse, and I mean, you go outside and that is it, right? This this bleakness, this this death, this lack of life, this frigid, destroying environment, and yet we get to come and celebrate the birth of the one who would make it all right. Not just all right, like A-L-R-I-G-H-T, but all right. Everything. Everything right again. And so this, this, tonight, this morning, I almost said it again. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and um, we're, we're, we're continuing our Advent series. We'll wrap it up tomorrow. This Advent series we've called Signs of the Coming King. If you've been with us at all before this Advent series, you know we've been in the Gospel of John. John frames his gospel around seven signs that point to Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and, and, and he does that so that everyone who reads his gospel would would. Uh, believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. This is what John says in his gospel, and that's the goal of our Advent series, is that we can see how God himself has given signs to his people over the course of history to show them that he actually meant to keep his promise to bring the Messiah, and in that Messiah, that everyone who believes in him would have life in his name. Everyone who believes in him have, would have life in his name. John is not the only gospel writer that writes about signs. He frames his gospel around that. But tonight we're going to look at a familiar passage here in Luke's gospel, and we're going to see how God gave a sign to some shepherds in order to show them that the Messiah had, in fact, arrived. That this, this baby that was born is the one you've been waiting for. And that's not just good news for the people of Israel. It's not just good news for these shepherds. It's good news for the whole world. And so I want to read Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20, and then pray, and then we'll, we'll dig in together. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In these days, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered this first registration took place while Quirinius was governing, was governing Syria. If you remember Syria, also known as Aram at one point. We, we talked about that when Ahaz was king in Isaiah chapter 7. So just to get our bearings. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible word that reveals us your incredible son who in turn reveals our incredible God. And we pray that we would behold our king together tonight as we go back through a familiar passage. Would you enliven our hearts by your spirit to see it with fresh eyes to hear it with fresh ears, to, to, to be reminded of all that we see and hear tonight is exactly as you have said. And that we would glorify our King. We pray this in his name. Amen. You ever, ever had a Christmas list and you wished for something and, and you thought you were going to get it for Christmas and then you didn't? Anybody? Maybe nobody wants to raise their hands because... Maybe you thought somebody in the room was going to get it for you, and they didn't, and there's that tension between you right now, wondering if they're going to let you down again this year, right? I see some smiles. Have you ever made a promise? Have you ever, have you ever like hinted at a gift that you were going to give, and then you have failed to come through on it and seen the look of disappointment on the face of the person as you, like you either forgot or something, you know, just, it just didn't happen. You were unable to do it. Right? Either way, th there's disappointment that happens. We hope for something and then we don't get that thing. This passage tonight is a reminder to us that God never fails to come through on his promises. He never fails to come through on his promises. Here's our, our main point. This is what we're going to see in our passage. God gave us a savior for Christmas. God gave us a savior for Christmas and all who receive him will never be disappointed. Let's go back through this together. Look at verses one through seven. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth to Galilee, in Galilee, excuse me, to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. These verses, when we understand what's happening here, that we look at the big picture, they, they offer us a sobering reminder of Israel's broken past. Now, we've been looking at some Old Testament passages. We've been, we've been talking through some of the history of, of Israel and, and, the, and the, the, the reign of the kings, right? These days that, that Luke is speaking of, these days in which Jesus was born, uh, these are broken days. These are, these are uh, long removed from the glory days of King David's reign. After his son Solomon ruled, the, the kingdom divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And we've seen through some of our other passages that we've been going through in this series that the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by Assyria, which was the superpower of that day. Back in uh, 722 BC, the southern kingdom of Judah then was conquered and exiled by Babylon, which was then the superpower of that day in 586 BC. And then about, about 50 years later, in 536 BC, the, the exiles started to return back into uh, to their land. God preserved a remnant like he said he would, and, and he started to bring them back like he said he would. And this was under the direction of Cyrus, king of Persia, that was the superpower of that day. You see where I'm going with this? Superpowers come and go when we speak of them as nations. And now fast forward about 500 years more, and it's not Assyria, it's not Babylon, it's not Persia, it's Rome. Rome is the superpower of the day. And, 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 and the Jews were back in their land, but they were under the rulership of Rome. Caesar Augustus was the Roman emperor, and he declared that a census be taken of his whole empire, which in that day was uh, most of the known inhabited world at that time. And so uh, where it says, where, yeah, where it says in verse, in verse one, the whole empire should be registered. Literally, it means the entire inhabited world right there. He owned it all, right? And he wanted to know how many people he owned, how many people he governed. This was for military purposes. This was for tax purposes. And the Jews considered that a form of oppression by yet another foreign ruler while they waited and waited and waited for their own king, the one that God had promised to give them, the one that God had, had promised uh, to, to bring to the throne, this Messiah. But verses four and five, they offer us a glimmer of hope. Even as we're getting this, this sort of contextual material here, everyone needed to be registered in his ancestral town. And verse four tells us that Joseph went to the city of David. He left Nazareth. It says he went up to Bethlehem. If you know the map, you know that Nazareth is north of Bethlehem, but Bethlehem was up on a hill, and they, they, they talked about everything in direction like that. So you go up to Jerusalem because it's on the top of the hill. You go up to Bethlehem because it's on the top of the hill. It doesn't matter what direction you come from. Left Nazareth, went to Bethlehem. Why? Because Bethlehem is the city of David, and we're told here that Joseph is from the house and the family line of David. If you know anything about Luke, he's very detailed in his gospel account. He was a doctor, a Gentile doctor, and he, and he sought out to give very 
uh, specific details um, and, and a detailed account to his readers. This language, it's not just a throwaway sentence that, that, that uh, Joseph was uh, from the house and the family line of David. That ought to bring us back. It ought to, to help the, the readers recall God's covenant promise to David in 2 Samuel 16. He says, your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. But we know from experience or, or what we see, right, that this is a broken kingdom. And this kingdom may be broken when we're told that there was a Roman emperor, but we're also told that there was a man named Joseph who was from the house and the family line of David, and he went to be counted. The kingdom may have crumbled, but God was preserving the family line. He was preserving his promise. There was still hope that God had not abandoned his people. Verse 5 builds on that hope by telling us that Joseph's fiance Mary, was pregnant. If you go back to chapter 1 in Luke's gospel, he tells us that Mary was a virgin, and the baby in her womb was a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about this before. Remember Isaiah's property, uh, property, prophecy to King Ahaz back in Isaiah chapter 7. We learned about this a couple weeks ago. So therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive... Have a son and name him Emmanuel. We talked about how that was a, a, a near fulfillment, but then also a, a future fulfillment. Here it is. You remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. This virgin had a son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We read this in John's gospel, right? And his first dwelling was a feeding trough for animals. The one who spoke creation into existence entered the world he created as a fragile human baby boy who was reduced to nothing more than cooing and crying. Think about that. Can we even grasp that? The one who says... Everything was created through him, John tells us. And not one thing was created that wasn't created through him. And here he is, wrapped in swaddling cloths, tightly, laid gently in a feeding trough. Gargling on his own baby spit and crying and doing all the things. It's such a peculiar picture, right? He may have been without words, but there were plenty who had something to say about him that night. Let's keep going. Look at verses 8 through 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth 
to people he favors. Now, in the Old Testament, shepherds were, were honored because that's what David was when God made him king. He was a shepherd. He was tending sheep, and God sent Samuel to anoint him, and he became king of Israel. But by the time Jesus was born, shepherds were, were really looked down upon more than anything. They were despised because they kept watch over the animals that were sacrificed in the temple, and because they were transient men who, who, who carried their flocks all over the place. They were looked poorly upon because these things often made them unclean, spending time with these animals and grazing their sheep on other people's fields. They were out in the fields with their flocks under a dark night sky when the angel of the Lord appeared in their midst. And when he appeared, the glory of the Lord surrounded the shepherds and fully engulfed them in blazing light. If you look outside right now, it's super dark right? Imagine for a moment if night suddenly shut off because it was engulfed in glory and light. Their night sky was no longer night sky and they were terrified, which is the correct response to this, right? Terror in that moment is the right response for anyone who beholds the glory of God. Remember Isaiah when he, when he saw, had a vision and saw the, the, the glory of God, the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. He just got a glimpse of it and he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. It's in that moment that we realize that God is holy and pure and we are anything but that. And they were terrified. They literally feared a great fear. Have you ever feared a great fear for that reason? Even though the shepherds rightly responded to the appearance of God's glory and fear, the angel told them these beautiful words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. How amazing is that? How amazing is that to hear those words? Don't be afraid. Why? because the news that he had to bring them was good news. It was gospel news that would bring great joy to the nation of Israel and eventually to the world. It wasn't future news, it was right now news. In fact, it was already happened news, right? Today, in the city of David, a savior has been born to you. In Bethlehem, he has been born for you. And he is the Messiah and the Lord. He's the anointed one. He is the promised Davidic king, God with us, who has come to save his people. You see, this was not just another promise that the angels were proclaiming. This wasn't something else that they were saying, hey, this will happen later. They got to proclaim the fulfillment of the promise that God's people had been waiting for for so long. David reigned around the year 1000 B.C., thousand years since God made that covenant. They've been waiting for these words right here. Today, not tomorrow, not another thousand years from now, today in the city of David. You remember our king a thousand years ago? This baby comes from his line. And these angels were ecstatic about it. I was talking about this with a, a dear friend and brother of mine, and he, he brought this to my attention. And this blows my mind. This blows my mind, uh, the significance right here of the angels announcing this. 
If you go to, if you, if you think about um, in, in his first letter, the Apostle Peter, he describes in wonderful detail, you, you're probably familiar with this passage about, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's given us new birth into a living hope, right? And he goes on to talk about how this, this hope is, is imperishable, and yes, we go through trials, but those, those will not last. This hope is what lasts. And he talks about you're achieving uh, the, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's what he says. We, we, kinda, we go through like verses 3 through 9 and then move on. Here's what he says in verses 10 through 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and they carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These prophets all promised something that they would not see, the total fulfillment of themselves. They realized they were serving a future generation. Listen to what he says. These things have now been announced to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he adds this little tagline at the end. Angels long to look into these things. Angels long to look into these things. You know who's been paying attention for the last thousand years? It's God's heavenly army. The angels have been waiting for this day and they get to be the ones to say it's here. How incredible is that? They longed to catch a glimpse, even just a glimpse of this glorious salvation that all the prophets had spoken about and now they get called up and, they, and, and God says, you go tell them. It's time. No wonder they burst into song. No wonder the thing that came out of their mouth was praise. But we know that Jesus didn't come to save angels. Think about that. He wasn't their savior, and they were elated to know that his day had arrived. Jesus came to save people because he came as a person. And this good news of great joy was ultimately for us. Luke was not a Jew. Luke was a Gentile who wrote his gospel primarily for Gentiles. He wrote it to show them that, that Christ came for the lowly, for the overlooked, for the downcast, for the outcast, for the, the fringe people. And here he's writing not just to show that Jesus was the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for, but also that Jesus was the king that the whole world needed. In that day, the Romans touted Caesar Augustus as the savior who would proclaim good news of peace to the world. But a multitude of heavenly angels, the, the armies of God's, uh, God's army angels, angel armies, however you want to say that. I'm so excited about this part. Think about that. Caesar was, was counted was looked upon as God. He was looked at upon as the one who was the Savior who would pronounce good news of peace. What did he pronounce? A census. How many people do I have? How great is my army? 
How much money can I get while they serve me? Then you get a whole host of heavenly angels and an angel of the Lord that said, hold on, hold on. There's only one king who has come as savior. There is only one king who has come to pronounce peace. And his name is not Caesar. And how would this king bring that peace? He would do it by reconciling God and man through his life and his death and his resurrection. You see, that baby born to Mary and Joseph would grow up to be a man who lived a perfect life. Imagine that. We can't because we failed miserably, right? But he did it. He lived a perfect life, obedient in every way to his heavenly Father, in every single thing, not sinning one time, not once. That baby who was laid in a manger would be hung on a cross and crucified to pay the penalty for our sin. That baby that was wrapped tightly in cloth at his birth would also be wrapped tightly in cloth at his death when they prepared his body and placed him in the tomb. But the one who is life and in him is the light of men, the one who is light who burst into darkness on that Christmas night, the one that was born in the city of David as light in the darkness would also burst out of a dark tomb after being dead in it for three days. And he would be exalted to the throne forever as eternal king. Not just on David's throne, but on the throne of heaven and earth. And we who put our trust in him now have peace on earth because our sin has been paid for. We have been forgiven and God's righteous wrath has been removed from us and replaced with his eternal blessings. Peace on earth to those upon whom God's favor rests, not upon those to, on whom God's wrath rests. There is no peace apart from Christ. Do you have this peace? Do you have this peace? If not, then hear this good news that the angels proclaimed. A Savior has been born for you. This gospel news offers great joy to all people, but only those who believe it will experience that joy. Today, today is the day of salvation. Don't let another Christmas go by without receiving this greatest gift of all gifts, Jesus Christ himself. Why not today turn from your sin and trust in him? David was a shepherd when God made him king of Israel, and now God was directing these shepherds to Bethlehem to see the king of the world, of all people. And just as God had been doing all throughout the Old Testament, he gave them a sign. They would find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Look at these last verses here, 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found, excuse me, both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. They didn't waste any time after the angels left. Angels are gone, and what do they say? Man, that was cool. We should probably get back to the sheep. No. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem right away and see what this is. They hurried off, Luke says. They went straight to Bethlehem. They did not go to the right or to the left. They made their way there. They found the sign that God had given them, this baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. They didn't go to Bethlehem because they were skeptical. They didn't go to because they wanted to try to, to prove these angels wrong. They went there because they believed what the angels had said. This is good news, and it's for us, lowly shepherds, despised and rejected by others. Isn't it ironic that these shepherds were in charge of the sacrifices that would make the people ceremonially clean, cleansing them from their sin before the Lord? And they left the old sacrifice behind to go see the king who would be the true and final sacrifice. They heard this news from the angels and they believed it because they took it as coming straight from God himself. In verse 15, they said, the Lord has made this known to us. Whole host of, of angels. And they said, this is, this is from the Lord. And when everything was just as God had told them, the shepherds did two things. One, they shared the message of the good news with everyone. And two, they glorified and praised God for keeping his word. In a sense, when the angels left, they passed the baton to the shepherds. It's your turn now. It's your turn now. These shepherds were now the ones saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. They were now the ones proclaiming good news of great joy for all the people. They were now the ones declaring that this baby in the manger was Savior, Messiah, Lord, just as God had said. This good news of great joy has been passed down from generation to generation through God's faithful word now to you and me. We don't just come and celebrate a Christmas Eve service because that's a tradition of the church. We come and celebrate a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, because this is good news of great joy for all people. And we pick up the baton with the shepherds. We join in the proclamation. Listen, think about this picture. The proclamation of the angel armies of the Lord in heaven and the lowly shepherds out in a field. What a span that is. And we get to join in that chorus, may we too glorify and praise God for all the things that we have seen and heard, which were just as we have been told. Praise God for his faithful word. 
that we don't celebrate a different Christmas every year. We don't just make things up. We come and we preach the same good news of great joy for all people. And may we enjoy the peace that we now have in Jesus Christ, no matter how much this world grows in the turmoil around us. Someone said before the service, aren't you just tired of hearing the wind blow? Yes. But every time we hear the wind blow, we ought to think of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. The wind blows where it pleases. and Nobody knows. The Lord is doing something. He has sent his son. He has promised a savior and he has followed through on it. And by his spirit, he is bringing new people into the kingdom as they hear this good news. God gave us a savior for Christmas and all who receive him will never be disappointed. This is good news of great joy for all people. So whether you open your Christmas presents tonight or tomorrow morning or tomorrow after our church service, our Christmas days church service, listen, don't fret if you didn't get what you wanted. Don't fret if you couldn't get someone else what you wanted to give them. Instead, remember that the greatest gift won't come in a box because it already came in a manger. You won't find it wrapped in fancy paper because the shepherds found it wrapped in swaddling cloths. And it's a gift that nobody can purchase because this gift came to purchase us for himself with his own blood. This gift is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us from the house and the family line of David, and he alone is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. May we never cease to be amazed at this incredible gift, and may we never cease to be in awe of the God who has faithfully kept his promise to give it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are the giver of good gifts and every good gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shadows. Lord, we thank you for giving us Jesus. We pray that yet again this year, as we come to another Christmas, that you would stir our hearts anew with amazement at this precious gift that we've been given, a Savior. And that we, along with the angels and the shepherds, would praise you and proclaim this good news to all the world. Because it is good news for all the world. And we pray that as it's proclaimed and as we praise that you, by your Spirit, would enliven the hearts of many to see and believe and that this Christmas they can find life in the one who is life itself, Jesus Christ. We pray this for his glory. Amen.